you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. And we're going to be starting in verse 26. Who here, so this is... This is what you get. And those of you online can participate too, but I can't see what you're doing. Is, it, did anybody, is anybody trying to read a chapter of Luke every day? Got a few of you. So I, I tried. Um, we're, we're doing okay. I'm trying to do it with Foster. And the first time um, he spent it listening, I figured out listening to Christmas music on, his, uh, on my wife's headphones. <laughs> so we're off to a start. Um, Chapter of Luke allowed is long, but uh, it's amazing to me. Um, I don't know if you've noticed it. You start noticing uh, there's a, a really interesting kind of rhythm to those first few chapters where a lot of the same kinds of things happen to different people in slightly different ways. And uh, that's the Bible's, uh, Luke's way of, of making it, kind of emphasizing and, and giving you a chance to compare and contrast how different people are responding to God's light entering darkness. And that's what um, we've been talking about. That's what we're talking about in this season as we light another candle every week. Uh, We're talking about how uh, Christ coming, Jesus coming, is an answer to this ancient hope from Isaiah 9. And it's captured uh, so well in this verse that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And as you read Luke, uh, as, and I made this promise last week, um, you'll notice that again and again, um, Jesus, or uh, the author, will talk about, um, will show just how dark uh, the land can be. And, and the Bible's not afraid of just how dark life can be sometimes. Uh, but the whole gospel of, of Luke is about that happening, a light dawning in a land of deep darkness. And in these first few chapters, it's just like that. It's just like the sun is just starting to peek over the edge, that something is happening, people are noticing that it's happening, um, and they're getting excited about what God might be doing. And so today, um, we're talking about a a different kind of of deep darkness that we face sometimes, um, that that I think uh, Jesus' light shines into, and that's um, the darkness of irrelevance. Um, uh, the person who we're focusing on today uh, will find is, is, is somebody who just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, uh, and, and that might sound harsh, um, but uh, had the things recorded in Luke not happened to this person, a, a million people just like this person have lived and died through the history of the world, and, and very few people uh, bothered to learn their names. And so uh, today we're talking about what it means to find light or the way that God might find light uh, when our lives don't always feel like they matter, when our actions don't always feel like they matter. Um, So if you've ever been in a situation, and maybe you're going through right now, when uh, the work that you do, I think what hits me, it's that feeling of, and at my house, one of the chores that um, I do most of the time, not always, is, is like, cle- is some of the cleaning stuff, or like the laundry, I do all the laundry at our house, 
Or, or like you let, if you're like me, you let the kitchen get like a really big mess. We do this sometimes at our house, sorry. Um, and then you clean it, you like really clean it. If you ever really cleaned a nasty kitchen, like every dish is dirty, every dish is put away finally. And then like you go in my house, you go into the living room and then you turn around and come back and it looks exactly the same as it did like five minutes ago. And you're like, what is the point? <laughs> You know, my actions don't seem to have any consequence. Uh, and so today we're talking about that, that feeling that we encounter, I don't know about you, um, when the problems of life seem so big and you feel so powerless to confront them um, that it almost feels like you might as well uh, give up. Um, so, so that's kind of the, the, where we're coming from on this. Um, so the question for me is, like, when life is dark, when we're living in a, a time of deep darkness, when the solution uh, doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon and our actions don't seem to matter, how do we walk uh, in, in faith? What do we do in the darkness of irrelevance? Well, uh, growing up, the lesson that uh, I was taught is, is either work harder or give up, right? You know, you should be able to change the world, and so you make it happen, or there's nothing you can do, you might as well throw in the towel. Um, but the, the Bible actually um, understands this a little bit differently. And so we're going to look at um, one story of one person who uh, is living in a time of deep darkness and who is profoundly irrelevant um, by every part of this individual's um, makeup and life. Um, they are not meant for the stage of history, but God does something surprising. And so we're going to look right here, chapter 1, verse 26. Um, <clears throat> it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, if you remember uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're having a baby boy named John. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And, and if you read Luke 1, you've noticed that this is a bit of a repetition. Luke 1 starts with the angel going to a, um, a, a special priest uh, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, right, that's the center of Jewish faith. Uh, this is where you go to find God. And so if you believe in the God of Israel, um, it makes sense that God would come and talk to somebody right outside the temple. Zechariah, as amazing as what happened to him was, it sort of makes sense. And so Luke is trying to wake us up a little bit uh, with, with this story, and he says, okay, so that's Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And, and all you need to know about Nazareth in Galilee is what everyone knew about Nazareth in Galilee, is that it was a totally meaningless place. Um, uh, in, in one of the Gospels, when somebody finds out Jesus was from Nazareth, uh, everybody says, well, nothing good has ever come out of Nazareth. <laughs> and, and that's actually pretty good, because many people wouldn't have even known what Nazareth was. Nazareth was a small town in a meaningless region of the world, far away from the seat of power. So, you know, today... Uh, you know, if you grew up in these days, you'd know that Rome, if you were a Jewish person, you'd know that Rome, they were the boss. They're very far away from you. 
Uh, and if you believe in, in Yahweh, the one true God, you're a Jew growing up, you know that God lives in Jerusalem. So Caesar, who, who calls himself God, lives in Rome. And, and your God, he interacts with people in Jerusalem. You meet him in Jerusalem at the temple, the important place. Um, if somebody asked you if anything special was supposed to happen in, in Nazareth, you'd say no. Not only is it far away from Rome, it's also far away from Jerusalem. It's a, it's a meaningless place. It's a, uh, uh, it's a zero stoplight town, <laughs> okay? Uh, my, my friends were telling me that uh, they used to, growing up, used to decide if a town counted or not if it had a McDonald's. You know, there is no McDonald's. <laughs> there is no McDonald's in Nazareth. There's probably not even a gas station. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, probably not even a post office. And so the, the story continues, uh, and it only gets more um, <laughs> irrelevant in its focus from here. Uh, so it starts in Nazareth, and it continues in uh, verse 27. Uh, the angel Gabriel came to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. That's a little special, but, but not really. There are plenty of those around. Um, this virgin's name was Mary. Uh, so uh, just to, to sum up again, so here we are. Here's, here's Mary. Mary was born in the wrong town uh, to have a significant life, right? She's far away from power. Um, she belongs to, and, and if you lived in the ancient world, um, and much of the world today, um, she belongs to the wrong gender to have a significant role in her community, uh, to, make, to make a difference. Uh, not only that, uh, she's also a young person. Uh, in the ancient world, uh, young people were not uh, lifted up in the way that we lift up uh, children and young people today. Uh, so she's from the wrong town, a tiny backwater, nothing, middle of the nowhere town. Um, she's the wrong gender. Uh, she's the wrong age. Uh, in the ancient world, um, she was ruled over, right, by Rome, the greatest empire uh, the world had ever known, and she wasn't a citizen of that uh, nation. Uh, she was a, a conquered people uh, to that nation. She had the wrong uh, social status. So, so Mary, um, uh, we know her name, uh, but no one else did. Uh, most likely, uh, she was poor, and we know this because just about everyone was poor in the ancient Near East. There were a few people uh, you know, when the Bible talks about um, rich people in town, it, it, the percentage is, there are very, very few of them. And the vast majority of people in the ancient world were living really hand-to-mouth. Uh, so Mary is, is poor like everyone else she knows. Um, uh, she doesn't know anyone. She doesn't uh, do anything, she hasn't done anything significant in her life. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us anything that she's done to deserve such a uh, such a mention. She does no accomplishments, no achievements. The only thing that she's done is, is lived and grown up, and her parents decided that she was going to marry Joseph. <laughs> that's, that's her, her life. Um, she's, she's pledged. Um, to this virgin's name was Mary. So, so Mary, she is not uh, rich. She's not famous. She's not important in any way. Uh, she's not even connected to any rich, famous, or important people. She's just a young girl from a small town in the middle of nowhere, She's just about as unimportant as you can be in the ancient world. She is at the bottom of every ladder that matters in her culture. She has no following, no voice, no ability to make a difference. Uh, she did not grow up like many people in my generation did, being told that one day she would change the world. <laughs> 
She grew up in the deep darkness of irrelevance and insignificance. But as you've, you'll, you might know, uh, God steps into that darkness and does something amazing. And, and uh, pay attention uh, to how she responds because uh, they're trying to, to show us um, how, they showed us how Zechariah responded. Remember, he, uh, he doesn't, doesn't believe that it's possible and the angel strikes him mute. And so uh, Mary responds a little differently, which is surprising uh, because she is not a highly trained uh, religious leader that spent her whole life learning who God is. Uh, verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And if you're Mary, uh, you might be wondering how that's possible because of what's going on in your life. But it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You know, have I got a deal for you? Okay, we'll see. <laughs> but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He'll be called, uh, he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so Mary responds, she says, how can this be? Uh, uh, how will this be? Uh, since I'm a virgin, Mary asked the angel, and the angel answered, uh, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, um, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive, they're talking about Elizabeth, in her, is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord, uh, no word from God will ever fail. Now Mary hears all this, and you'll notice um, she responds as you read Luke. She responds like this a lot, kind of. She hears all this. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Uh, she takes it and accepts it, and the angel leaves. So, so again, just to reiterate, I, don't, I think I probably already hit it pretty hard, but Mary has no, uh, uh, no special value or significance in her world, in her culture. There is no reason for her to believe uh, that she was special in any way. She might matter to Joseph, and she probably matters to her parents, but not... To many others, but somehow uh, the Bible says she finds favor with God. And when the priest uh, who grew up uh, learning who God is asks God how he can know it's possible, um, Mary just asks God, How are you going to do it? Because her world has already been turned upside down. Uh, so, so, what does it mean that uh, God would choose someone like Mary, right, to be the mother? Of Jesus, what does that what does that tell us? You know, it, it reminds me of that um, song, you know, that Mary, did you know song? You know, and you're like, oh, you know, Mary, did you know who Jesus would be? What was going to happen? You know, um, <clears throat> why would he choose someone like this? Uh, because I would never pick somebody like Mary. I don't I don't know about you, um, but lucky for us, um, we actually don't have to guess um, um, what she knew or or maybe. Um, how she felt about this. Uh, she actually tells us. Uh, Mary uh, is, is one of the few uh, uh, female authors in the Bible. And Mary actually tells us. She responds later on. Um, now what happens after this, she goes to visit her sister Elizabeth, right? Um, the angel said, hey, your, or your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. 
uh, in her sixth month. And so Mary actually goes to see her. Might be looking, okay, let's, let's see what's going on. And when she does, um, uh, Elizabeth uh, recognizes immediately um, that Mary is carrying Jesus because the, the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb like rolls over. <laughs> and she says, ah, you know, this is, the, this is the Holy Spirit letting us know. John knows in the womb that something amazing is happening. And so Mary, you know, hears all this just like she did with the angel. And she responds. Uh, she writes, uh, uh, she sings a song. Uh, and Luke puts this song right here, and it, and it sums up at least why Mary thinks that God might choose someone like her. And, and of course, we believe that the Holy Spirit is involved in inspiring scripture. And so we believe uh, that this is true. You know, Mary doesn't just think this, but this is, this is true. Uh, and so this is the song that she sings. And it sums up everything that's happened to her so far. And it sums up how, um, how Mary understands the kind of God that shows up in a no-stoplight town to choose a young, unmarried woman to carry uh, the Son of God in her body. Um, she says this in verse 46. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He noticed his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. God has brought down the rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and she went home. Uh, her song, as, as uh, some of it's up here and as you have in front of you, it, it sums up exactly why God would choose someone so irrelevant. And it makes clear that while I might be surprised and we might be surprised, Mary, Mary is not surprised that God would choose someone like her. Uh, God chooses a, a girl, a teenage girl from the sticks to be the mother of God. He steps into the deep darkness of insignificance and irrelevance because God, according to Mary, uh, God sees those that the world doesn't see. He sees the unseen, humble person like Mary. God chooses the unexpected. God fills the hungry and lifts up the humble but he also scatters the proud, brings down the rulers, and sends the rich away empty. Mary believes that God lifts up those who don't matter, and he casts down those who are convinced that they do. Mary is making a theological point about God. She's not surprised because this is how God has always worked in the past. And it's confirmed in her experience. He lifts up the low and brings down the proud. Mary believes he'll do it again through the one in her womb. Mary believes the little way that God has lifted up one irrelevant woman, God will lift up all the irrelevant people. She's saying that if God can do this for them and if God can do this, in, then he can do it in me. 
And Mary believes that he can do it for all the people like her. And that in Jesus, he'll do it bigger than ever before. And if we believe Mary's words in Scripture, if we believe um, God's word in Scripture, it becomes clear that the way that we decide who matters and what's relevant and what's not relevant does not line up with how God decides those things. Because God lifts the insignificant. He lifts the unimportant, the outshined, and the irrelevant people like Mary as he brings light into a dark world. Because the places and the people and the circumstances that we think are irrelevant, that we don't think matter, they matter to God. And I I don't know who that is in your life. Uh, I don't know, and and I know uh, there's a few people in my own life uh, that I am tempted to think don't matter, that I'm tempted to think are insignificant, and I'm willing to bet that you have people in your life that maybe uh, cause you a little stress, maybe you don't want to spend a lot of time with, maybe it doesn't seem like they matter all that much. Maybe in in your own um, mind, that's you, and the things that you do every day don't feel like they have value And the problems that you're facing don't feel like you have any role in solving and working in them. Or or maybe there are people that need things from you that you don't think add anything to your life. But the Bible would remind us, Mary reminds us, that the people um, who we don't think matter, they matter to God. And when we don't think we matter, we matter to God. Uh, And so I would invite you this this week uh, to to look for those people, uh, and, then, and then to pray that you would be, that we would be like Mary, that we would be humble enough to be overshadowed by God so that we can be his light in the places that people don't think matter, that we would see people like Mary or even see ourselves as like Mary, people that might not always uh, seem that significant, but that God intends to use in ways that surprise everyone. In a moment, we're going to come to the table. And when we come to the table, we eat and we drink. Uh, We drink a little bit of juice and we eat a little bit of bread. And we believe that when we share that meal, not only do we share it with those that are gathered in this room, and not only do we share it uh, with those that are, are gathered online, we actually share it with all Christians worldwide. Uh, in places that we think matter and in places that we don't think matter. And in addition to that, we believe that we actually share it in, in spirit with all the Christians that have gone before, all the way back to, to Jesus as he sits around the table with his disciples and he breaks the bread and drinks the cup. <clears throat> and we come to that table, that gift that's given to us, not because of anything that we have done or have. We come to that table with our own inferiority complexes, Uh, We come to the table with our own uh, problems that no one notices or cares about. We come to the table with our own friends and and our own lives that don't always feel that significant. And we remember that as we eat that bread and drink that cup, we are a part of the most significant thing that God has ever done. So let's lay those things at uh, God's feet and remember that in the kingdom of God, it's the insignificant, the small, and the forgotten where God does his best work. 
May we pray those prayers we don't think matter. May we listen to those friends that we don't think matter. May we do that job that nobody notices and we think no one cares about because those things matter more than we know. <clears throat> I'd like to invite you to pray with me um, uh, to <clears throat> that we would all uh, be like Mary, that we would accept the gift that God is trying to give us and be made significant through our connection to a God who loves us. Would you, would you pray with, with me? Lord God, we are small, we are weak, we are insignificant, we fail, and we are trapped in our own sin. It looks different in each and every one of our lives, but it's there. But we believe, Lord, that even though um, we don't have what it takes, your son died on our behalf. And so we believe, Lord, that uh, not only did he die, he rose again, and that we can be made new. And so we ask, Lord, that as we come to the table today, that you would renew us, that you would forgive us our sin, and that you would make us into the people that you've made us to be by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.